It's the Eastern Insider Podcast with your hosts, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. I'm Greg Steiner. I'm Alex Jewell. Thanks for tuning in. As we, as always, Alex, wish everybody a good Monday or really whatever day you might think it is right now. Absolutely. We're hoping everybody that uh, is not uh, working and especially those that are working right now is staying safe, keeping their family safe. Obviously, we continue through what has certainly been a different time for all of us as we're now on our fourth or fifth week of at home shows. And we appreciate those that have still been listening and, and making sports a part of their day. I know we're all dying for sports to come back and into something live so we can have that release. But until then, we'll keep you as busy as possible with some of the great interviews that uh, we've been able to lock up here on the podcast. Yeah, we did have a, a normal seat as it was back at it as the NFL draft was over the weekend. Congratulations go out to the two newest Eagles to head to the NFL. And that is Kevin McGill signing with the Chargers and Steven Nielsen going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, both as free agent pickups. So congrats to them. And then also it was would have been EMU's graduation. So a big tip of our hats to all of those graduating. And if you didn't read the news or see it yet on the uh, huge announcement from Game Above about their contributions back to EMU graduates, certainly visit emich.edu or go to emueagles.com to find out that big piece of news. But more importantly, we also get a big a visit from the big boss himself, Scott Weatherby on this show. Yeah, Scott Weatherby, of course, our vice president and director of athletics. Really, we've talked to a lot of different people, whether it's student athletes or Gretchen Buskirk in sports medicine uh, or any really a bunch of different representatives from different levels over the past couple of weeks. But we haven't had a chance yet to sit down with the big boss and talk about his month of April and kind of how he's been navigating what has certainly been the first pandemic that any of us in athletics have had to, to face from our job standpoint. So really a great conversation with him. And you know what? We throw in some fun topics in there, too. I'm not going to give too much away, but stick around because I think a lot of you will find some of his viewing habits as well as some other things uh, in terms of Netflix and beyond pretty interesting. As you're sitting at home wondering what you can do to watch sports, well, there's plenty of ways to keep in touch, and we've done so here on the Eastern Insider Podcast. And today we again bring you another treat as we're joined by EMU Vice President and Director of Athletics, Scott Weatherby. Scott, first off, thanks for joining us. How is the world treating you without sports? Well, it's uh, one, thanks for having me on. It, but uh, it is, uh, we always kind of wonder what it would be like to not have sports in our world. And, and we're actually seeing it now, and it is not a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I've, I've played it all my life or been a around it and to just look out at ball fields or football stadiums and see nobody doing anything. It's really eerie. And uh, so I'm, I'm just uh, praying that we can get back uh, to some kind of uh, a new normal and uh, get these student athletes and even professional athletes or even our kids out uh, playing the sports we love. So take us back to that day in March, March the 11th. Women's basketball just wraps up a, a victory over Ball State. Uh, you're sitting at Rocket Morgan Fieldhouse. You're kind of hearing things. 
you go home for the night, you, you get ready to come back the next day for, for AD meetings. What's going through your head as you're walking back into the, into the field house thinking what's going to happen and, and kind of did you have any inkling of, of what might go on? Yeah, so I remember March 11th, uh, 11th was the Wednesday when we, we won the basketball game against Ball State, and we were all excited and uh, went to dinner that night with the Bowling Green athletic director. And, and really, we had no sense that there was going to be any issues. Uh, we, you know, we figured, obviously, we had already made the decision to not have fans, only just the um, families, and everybody was going to spread out in this great big arena. Uh, but I, I went to bed thinking we were okay, and we had MAC AD meetings in the morning uh, the next day. And so we got together, and um, that's when it kind of started to get out that um, uh, gold, was it, uh, Golden State Warrior um, was, had coronavirus, and that they actually had been in Cleveland 10 days prior, and in one of the locker rooms that two of the um, basketball teams had used. And so then kind of raised a red flag a little bit there. So we were having discussions in our AD meetings about, you know, should we hold off on the tournament? You know, should we put in some precautions? So we had kind of left our meeting at 10 a.m. to say, hold up at the noon tip. Actually, it was by 11 now because they were warming up on the court and we pulled them off. And we were kind of pulling them off to think, you know, we're going to make sure they don't have temperatures, make sure everybody feels okay. And then ask each of the student athletes individually if they're comfortable still playing. I mean, we were, we were trying to put in all these little stipulations. And then within a half hour, you know, everybody started canceling. And we were just all like, you know, the best interest of health and safety of everybody is to cancel. And uh, that, that was a, it was, I felt really bad. Um, and I had actually left the arena, went over to talk to our basketball team and to meet with them individually to make sure that they were okay, were feeling okay, and starting to run through the protocols that we had set up. And then I get a call to say, you got to come back to the arena. Um, and so I looked at my clock, my watch. The most calories I burned so far during this was that day, back and forth and doing all that. Um, and so then, you know, we canceled the basketball tournament. And then within two hours, we're meeting again. And all of a sudden, we're canceling all spring. It just – Within such a short window, we went from, okay, we're going to figure this out and play. I mean, I, our baseball team, I had put them on a flight 6 a.m. that morning to Kansas, thinking they're going to play Kansas State in a three-game series, to turning around within six hours and telling them they got to come home. And I just didn't anticipate that at all. And, and uh, now looking back at it, now I can see why we did. But when you're in the moment, you're, you're like, are we overreacting? And, you know, you're just not sure. Um, so that's, that's kind of how that – that whole thing played out. I know it'll end up being a day that all three of us in this discussion certainly remember for the rest of our careers. I think that the 7 a.m. to a noon span went faster than maybe any day in my, in my short time. So you've now gotten the news that the tournament's going to be canceled and you're starting to hear inklings about those discussions you were just talking about, about the rest of spring season. You and I and Greg were sitting in Cleveland together. What's going through your head now about, okay, I've told the teams that it affects down here, but I've got a staff back home 200 miles away that I know was bombarding your cell phone and calling you and, and trying to get answers themselves. What's it like having to deal with that, adding that extra layer of, I'm nowhere near my staff, I can't see them face-to-face, -face, and having to communicate that way? And, and what challenges did that present for you? 
Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that um, you know, as as the leader of a group that's got to get the message down to everybody, that communication is really key. And and I felt it was important that the head coaches heard it from me. Um, but I'm also in meetings. We're still making those decisions, and yet you're trying to text with somebody or trying to call them. And you know, you guys were were there uh, certainly. And there's media that wants to talk to us, and so you're you're, you're trying to play this, but. The good news is, is for the two days kind of leading up to that, you know, I've been talking to the baseball coach. I've been talking to our gymnastics coach. You know, obviously, uh, Coach Castro was there in Cleveland. Um, you know, so I had been trying to stay in touch with each of the teams that were either going to be on the road or could possibly be on the road and just saying, hey, if I know anything more, I'll, I'll try to let you know. Um, but I think the biggest thing, and I think we've done a pretty good job of it, is, is really trying to communicate to all of our staff letting them know um, where we're at, what's going on, what's happening, and setting that up. So Cleveland that day, you know, we communicated. We called for an all, basically an all-staff meeting that night When the, by the time I got back and had a conference call with everybody, just letting them know what was going on. Uh, it, maybe it was just the head coaches, but letting them know uh, what, what's happening. You know, campus was shut down. We're treating it like snow days, and here's what we're going to do the next few days. And then they needed to communicate to their teams and, and let everybody know. And then each day as it goes on, you're, you're, you're trying to communicate. And the problem is there's no book. You know, there, there's nothing that says, here's how you handle this. And all I can do is, one, be, be really optimistic, be very open and honest, because I don't have all the answers. I didn't have very many answers. All I knew was basically what I was being told. And so I'm just sharing that with everybody. And then just try to answer questions the best I could. And it's tough to do 200 miles away. And you were sitting there with me and you could see my, my phone's ringing and I'm trying to make sure we answer everybody and answer media questions and also try to get back to Cleveland. And then I've got to worry about my family and everything else too. And my wife was like, Oh, you're coming home straight home, right? And no, I'm actually going to the office to, we're going to have a staff meeting, you know, and on a Friday at seven o'clock at night. I, th I think I can speak for the three of us here for sure. And, you know, for the, for our listeners that haven't, been on the inside and be a part of it. When I say I think Eastern's done a really good job of being proactive and and handling it in a really positive way. But you know, when you look back, I always say hindsight's forty twenty, not twenty twenty. Is there anything that you wish we could do differently, or that maybe the MAC or the NCAA could have done differently that would have helped this process? Or has it really been kind of because there's no book, a best case scenario type of uh, one day at a time approach? You know, I, I think the only thing that I don't think I would necessarily change anything. I think the only thing I would do is, is try to document what we've done and see if there are ways along the way where maybe we have missed, you know, and there, there are certainly times that I always say, you don't know what you don't know. So there, there are times when, when um, maybe a coach or a student athlete wasn't aware of something, but I didn't know that they weren't aware. And, and how do I maybe make those, make those adjustments? Because, uh, to me, if if you make decisions that you feel like are in the best interest of the student athlete and that you really care about your employees and your staff, um, then I, I don't really think you can go wrong when you're erring on the side of caution on, on those things. Um, you know, I would probably want to get my staff and even the student athletes maybe to critique how we did during this process. And, you know, some might say I felt you know distant and people weren't communicating. I'm hopeful that that's not the case, that they'd say, hey, my coaches, and we've been harping on the coaches to keep staying in touch more than they normally would. 
I've actually been able to get to know our student athletes better through this as I'm doing some house calls and some other things. So, um, you know, I would want to be critiqued that way to say, okay, what things could we have done? And if something like this happens again, this is what we did. This is kind of the template that we are now building that's never been built. And, and how can we continue to uh, improve on that in the future? You mentioned a lot of the communication you've been doing with the head coaches, uh, with the staff, holding weekly or biweekly meetings with them. How do you, or, or what has surprised you most about Eastern staff for student athletes and how they've handled this whole situation? Well, from, from a staffing standpoint, um, I just, I'd love to see how much our employees care, right? They, everybody is like, what can I do to help? How can I chip in? Uh, what do we need to do? You know, I'll, I'll go do whatever. And, you know, I know we're, we're doing some things on campus, helping out, whether it's St. Joe or the university and, um, you know, our DPS, you know, needed masks and wipes and gloves. And, and as soon as I had made a note, I didn't even think about our training room. And she's like, Hey, we can put together a care package. And I mean, just all of our employees. And, and then they're like, Hey, if we got to help out other areas, let, let's do it. And so we got big hearts and, and that's the, I enjoy that as a leader looking down, knowing that our staff really cares and that we're trying to reach out to our student athletes. And I think our student athletes have done a really good job. I mean, this is tough. They're used to being in class. They're really bright. I mean, we have very, very smart students, uh, very connected. And uh, now for them to, one, a lot of them don't get to compete anymore. And then they, and then they had to go on to an online format and go back and be with their families or whatever. Um, that, that part of it, um, they've done a great job and I've gotten really good feedback um, as well from, from that. So, uh, that, that's, it's been really good to see. And I just, it just makes me feel even better working at a place. And I, I think our administration, president Smith is, has done a great job and, and our whole executive team on, you know, we're meeting twice a week. We were doing three days a week. We were Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We've gone to Tuesday, Fridays now. Um, and then I have two Mac meetings every week. I actually have one on a Saturday, uh, just to kind of, cause we can't squeeze in it. All, all in a week. And I found myself busier now, you know, going through this. And so we have, you know, weekly staff meetings. We still have, you know, like you said, biweekly head coaches, or we just, you know, had an all staff meeting where we had 110 people on a Zoom call just to check in. And we're doing that every couple of weeks and answering questions and, and doing that. So I, I think we got a great group and I'm proud to, to kind of be in, in associated with this group. I don't like to say I'm in charge of the group. I'm, I'm trying to help them along. You just mentioned uh, some of the partnerships and ability to help that our department has had. And, and one of those most notably has been with St. Joe's, a great partner of ours and the laundry situation. Expand a little bit on that and tell our listeners a little bit about what's going on with our equipment room in St. Joe's. And then uh, maybe what makes you the most proud thus far about what we've been able to do uh, to help and, and what's been a really challenging time. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, well, you know, St. Joe has always been a, a good partner to us. And, you know, we've really tried to wrap that up here the last couple of years with you know, naming the St. Joe um, Dome after them. And, and then they're doing on campus with IHA to, you know, do our student health. And then uh, we started having conversations about uh, having some of the doctors or nurses that 
um, are on the front lines that can't get home because they live an hour away or they've been there for 12 hours and um, or if somebody they don't want to get their family sick or have any um, um, if they're contaminated in some way so we, we've tried to work with them to give them some housing I mean we have all this housing right across the street and so campus has been really good and you know we threw out the um, you know a note about hey you know we do have laundry facilities we have five washers and we've got like seven or eight dryers and have some capabilities and they're like you know I didn't even think about that we're normally in a hospital it's just a you know throw away gowns and those things but they're starting to run out of all that they've actually gone back to the archives here and picked out old you know the old cloth gowns and everything that you can actually launder and you know, usually you have a laundry service and they just can't keep up. And so we've figured out and worked with them. And at first it was, let's do three days a week. And then now it's five days a week and it was only gonna be a four hour window. Now it's an eight hour window. And you know, I think of something like that is just so little, right? I mean, like it's just, but to me, if there's anything we can do, then this at least makes you feel like you're doing something to help because you're so, you're so helpless. We're just sitting at home and all these people are going in, even, even the, the grocery store workers and, you know, people that actually are still getting up and going to work every day and putting their life at risk. You know, this is the least we can do. So those are, those moments are proud. I am proud of um, the Ben Hermans of the world um, and Dom and uh, Andrew on our staff that are like, look, raise their hand, no questions asked. I'll go unlock it for them. Um, they know that there might be some interaction, but we we put in you know precautions to unlock the door and we lift things up and they stay away and we have social distancing like we're supposed to. Um, but still, they didn't blink, you know, and they just said, "Look, I'm I, I'm glad to be a part of it and and uh, helping out." And we've had a number of people like that, so that that's the part that m- makes you the most proud. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. We're doing a lot of different things that we never really had to think of having to do before. I mean, before this, I don't know that I was on a Zoom meeting before, maybe a Google chat here or there, but that, the social distancing aspect that you talked about, the working from home, how do you think a situation like this will maybe change our industry like none before? I mean, maybe there isn't a have to be in the office like we sometimes think, you know, doing more work from home. Or, or doing something different. How do you think that when we go back to whatever it is that we might learn from this? Yeah, I, I think this, this um, it speeds up what people maybe thought we could do, but just weren't, you know, a lot of people were afraid of change. And then nothing beats being in person on, on, on a lot of this stuff. But I'm like you, I had never done a Zoom call. I, the only thing, closest thing I had was FaceTime with my mom or my kids or whatever that, that was it for video conferencing. Now uh, I feel like I'm a professional at Zoom. I can figure this out pretty pretty well. Um, but I also think that virtual learning, virtual um, professional development, there's been a lot of webinars and a lot of conference stuff. I, I think you're going to see 
you know, even in the Mid-American Conference, we're having discussions that our head coaches' meetings are going to go to this. You know, like I said, you can't beat in person, but we can get enough interaction to answer questions and share ideas. Doing it this way, and now my coach doesn't have to get in a car, take a whole day to go to Cleveland, maybe stay the night, come back. It costs the university money. It costs the coach time and effort as well when they can be doing something else. And so I think you're going to see that um, in, in a lot of different areas. And then even on our um, call today with our staff, I told uh, both the strength and conditioning group and our uh, medical um, group, our trainers, you know, if there's a way that they can get their certifications without actually have to go and physically be there where we got to pay for a plane ticket or, you know, stay for a hotel or whatever, if they can do it, you know, virtually and their national organization can figure that out. This is just a great way of communicating. And then I, I even, not that I want to get away from being in person, but to be able to get 105 people on a call and we can all get the information out pretty quickly as opposed to, okay, we're going to meet in the Student Athlete Performance Center and you got to find a parking spot and, and um, not everybody can make that time. They're heading somewhere else. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to happen. And then what other creative, fun things can we do this way? You know, I'm doing house calls. I'm actually getting to know our student athletes and coaches better and, and just getting to know them and, and being able to see them and being a just, and it humanizes us a little bit in this regard too. So uh, I think there is going to be a difference and I think it's those that can capitalize. I think our, our programs are sharing ideas on recruiting. How can you use this in a recruiting tool now? Uh, how can we do a better job of getting good coverage of your campus and of your facility so you can show it through this means. So even like an international and international recruiting, this could really be big um, because now you've been forced to do it this way. And now you've actually kind of built a template uh, to how to recruit. So it, it's, to me, there's going to be a lot of changes, um, you know, how significant and who embraces it. That's what we'll have to wait and see. We had Gretchen Buskirk on a couple of weeks ago and I asked her a similar question, but I think it's actually almost more appropriate to ask you because as far as our department goes, you are Eagle numero uno. I mean, everybody looks to you for all the answers and, and that kind of grand plan. But I think something our listeners want to know and really anybody wants to know is where are you getting your information from and where are those conversations stemming? How often are you talking to the MAC or the NCAA? Or is there a lot of this where you're just sitting back like, Greg and I and listening to what Governor Whitmer or the president's saying and trying to kind of figure things out as it goes. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, in, in honesty, I, I don't listen. I don't turn on the TV much. I, I really am pretty busy uh, during the day. I find out later about, you know, whether uh, President Trump came on or, uh, you know, governor was on today, but I was on a call. Um, but the good news is, is uh, I actually feel like I get the information a little early. Um, we have a, a team of about 25 at the university that um, get together twice a week. We're doing three times a week. And, and during those, we're talking about, um, you know, what are we allowed to do? What are we not allowed to do? And you know, so like when the governor come out today, we actually had the sheet already. We knew uh, what some of the um, restrictions that were putting in place and what was maybe taken back. And this is like phase two and then phase three will be another one. And so we can start to map out, okay, as we slowly start to open back up and allow people back, um, the, then, then we can, um, you know, kind of use those guidelines. So that we're having those conversations. And then 
I'm trying to share that with our staff. And then I also am uh, meeting twice a week with the Mid-American Conference for about an hour and a half to two hours. And we're talking about as a conference, you know, where can we cut on costs? Where can we generate more revenue? Uh, where can we get a little bit more creative uh, in all of our sports? So we're going by each sport and then, you know, like media days, do you go to a virtual media days to save on travel for people? Um, you know, do we move championships? Do we keep championships? What, you know, what are the, all the different things um, that we can save on? And so we're going through that now uh, to try to cut costs uh, across the board because we're all in the boat right now of uh, there's so many unknowns um, um, with it. So um, that's, you know, kind of, kind of what my day looks like. And I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that we get that kind of information ahead of time. So people on campus are communicating with the governor's office. She's letting us know what to expect so we can anticipate because we've got a lot of employees and we've got to figure out uh, the best path for them. So that's kind of how I'm getting mine. And then I try not to wing it. You know, I, I'm very open and honest with people. So I try to share the information that I do have, uh, but I try not to predict too much ahead because you don't want to keep cutting what they say by, you know, do a thousand cuts when you should probably just wait and let's look at the whole thing first. Speaking of that crystal ball, there's not a day that goes by that I don't get an email from a media member or somebody asking, so when are you going back or what are you doing or when do you think this will happen? We don't have a crystal ball and I'm not going to ask you to speculate on, on what you think the fall entails, but how vital is the fall and of course, at the, at the FBS level, playing football to not only the Mid-American Conference, but to Eastern Michigan? Yeah, it, it is, it's critical that we um, get in all of our sports. Um, you know, obviously everybody's looking at football. It's the one that gets on national TV and it pays a lot of the bills um, as well. And so for, for a school like Eastern Michigan, you know, we've, we've run scenarios, okay, if we don't play this year, what does that cost the university versus if we maybe only played an eight game schedule, just a league schedule, what that would look like and then versus not playing at all. And our numbers are significantly better if we play um, and be able to collect the check from Kentucky, collect a, over a million dollars from Missouri as well. And those are significant revenues to to us um, and the Mid-American Conference is the same way. We have ESPN and CBS deals and you know our paychecks that we get from the league are all football driven. And then there's the college football playoff and college football playoff, just those two games or three games are significant dollars back towards the Mid-American Conference and helps pay, uh, pay us. So um, all of those uh, need to take place. And I think, you know, I try to be optimistic that we'll have a, a full return. And so we need to plan on that. But what does that look like? And it's going to look differently. And then, um, you know, is it going to, if it can't happen right away, is it going to be delayed? And if it's going to be delayed, what does that look like? And then how much of a delay, you know, and, and so there's a lot of questions around that. But I think right now, most people are still trying to plan what, what uh, with a normal schedule and, and what that would look like. And then there's going to probably come a time here in the next few months of, you know, if, if that's going to shift, then we'll have to, you know, make some adjustments there. Could but you see, 
could you yeah. see somebody playing in in a like January, February, March type frame, or do you think it's a okay hard fast play the usual time scenario? Um, I, I think there is going to be a lot of flexibility because it is so important, um, more so for your Power Five institutions in the money that's involved. And so um, I think, um, you know, when you're talking about a program like Alabama that makes $100 million off the football program, and they have a $200 million budget, so half their money comes off of this 12-game window, um, there is, uh, there, there's a lot of pressure to get that in. And they're not the only ones. And so I, I would anticipate that even if they had to say, okay, this thing's not, we don't have a um, vaccine, we don't have antibodies, whatever it is to get us to feel comfortable, that if they've got a, you know, no pun intended, punt it to, you know, January to April and figure out a way to have a college football playoff in April, uh, I could see them uh, wanting to do that. And, um, you know, from a Title IX perspective, though, we've got to do that for volleyball. We've got to do that for soccer. We've got to, you know, we've got to do that for cross countries as well. And so we've got to keep that big picture in mind. So we'll, we'll see what, um, see how it plays out. And, but I do think there is going to be a date and, and, and I think people forget September still four months, four months away. So that's a, a lot's happened in the last six weeks. And, you know, hopefully, we're, we're, we're recovering quicker than we had hoped and antibodies and vaccines and testing and all this has gotten bigger, faster, stronger by the time we get there that we feel comfortable. When you think back, I mean, obviously you've had a long career and a lot of different roles, a lot of different stops. Is there anything you can look back to? Probably not, but is there anything that you say, wow, you know, this really helped me prepare for, for having to, to handle something like this, the COVID-19 pandemic that you can remember from any of your stops along the way? No, the, the two things that stick out the most to me um, is I was at Fresno State uh, when 9-11 happened. And, you know, and I was, I was walking my dog in the morning because, um, you know, that happened early morning, Eastern time, and I'm in Pacific time. And going, actually going into the office and watching it, and then it just shut everything down. And, and you reprioritize your life a little bit when something like that happens. And um, so I, I remember that kind of stopping um, sports for, for a few days, and then the rally around it, and the excitement to have it back and the patriotism that we had. And so I'm very hopeful that um, as much as everybody's struggling, there's a way for them to um, rally around and use sports. And Eastern Michigan is a great place to do that because we're very affordable, you know, and we're not out to make, I'm not out here to make millions of dollars and have a hundred thousand in our, yes, I'd like to have a bunch uh, of people, but I would rather embrace the community and we've done stuff for the community right now. We're trying to help out. And I'm hopeful when that's done, we can open our arms and welcome them in and they get a reprieve from going out and, and just being at home. And, and now they could just spend time with their family at our football stadium and, and yell and scream and have a good time. And we entertain them a little bit. That that's what I'm hopeful. And then the only other thing I kind of remember is that North Carolina, when 
2008, nine, when the stock market crashed and people started losing their jobs. And uh, we actually had at the campus, I remember we had talked about layoffs and furloughs and um, there was no travel to uh, conference and go to meetings and all that. It kind of reminded me from a, from a, um, uh, economic standpoint that as well. So those are kind of the two things that I think about in my head when we're going through it. And really it's a little bit of both, uh, in that cause the economy has really struggled, um, obviously. And, and so we're going to do what we can to, once we open this thing up, bring as many people back out and let's laugh, smile and, and enjoy, uh, uh, American sports again. I know you've had a chance to laugh and smile. You touched on the house calls episodes that you've been doing. You've been able to to get coaches and, and two student athletes to a lot of our programs to, to come. And for a change, you get to be the one asking the questions rather than you getting asked all the questions. What's been kind of the, the most fun that you've had doing that? And I know that you've got some special guests coming up too we, we, that you've got planned too. Yeah, absolutely. These have been fun. Um, one, I always go and study a little bit more about the student athletes that are coming on. So I learn, I learn things about them, uh, maybe that I didn't know. Uh, we had one, uh, one student athlete on, uh, her mom went to Ball State where I went to school. And uh, I didn't know that until I read the bio and realized she played field hockey, which we had a phenomenal field hockey team at Ball State. Um, and then I had another one on that. Uh, my best friend lives in Mainsville, uh, Ohio, and I didn't. That's where she's from. They probably are neighbors and didn't even know it because Mainsville is not very big. Um, and so you get to you get to do that and interaction with them, and then just laughing and having fun. And then they get to see, you know, they kind of see me standing at a practice or at a game, and you know, they'll see me yell at the officials a few times or something. But you know, now they actually get to know me, and then I bring my son or daughter in, and it humanizes us. I mean, I, I'm, I'm no different than them. I get up this, the same and I want them to know that I'm trying to be supportive and I'm here if they need anything. And what people don't know is when we, we finish those calls, I ask them to stay on and then we spend 10, 15, 20 minutes more. And I just answer questions. You know, the volleyball girls were great. They're, you know, they're worried about their season coming up and how are we going to train or can we come back at our normal time? And, you know, what's, what's happening. And I answer the best I can, but I get to know them um, better. And, and now um, sometimes I generalize my student athletes a little bit because I, I can't memorize everybody, 475 student athletes. Um, but now I'll at least be able to point them out and hopefully they're going back to their teammates saying, hey, he's not, he's not that bad a guy after all um, as well as well. And then seeing the coaches interact with them too. And, and, and then my kids, you know, to have some fun, and they look up to these, you know, I, I try to let our student athletes know that even though they might not know it, they're role models. Uh, my daughter loves to come watch women's basketball. She loves to go watch volleyball. She knows the names and she knows who's doing what. And, and you know, even when she was younger, she'd want autographs. And, and it doesn't matter where you're at. You're a Division One athlete. And so that's part of it that, I, that I've enjoyed uh, doing, though. So I'm glad uh, I've been able to pick that up. we'll close out with some a rapid fire session so greg and i will take turns kind of shooting some fast questions at you and 
just give us um, kind of what's the first thing on your mind. So I'll start it off. So this is this is kind of like my would you rather that I've been doing on my house calls. Exactly. We'll flip the All right. on you and see uh, All right. how, how prepped and ready you are. So I know you said you haven't been watching much TV, but is there anything you've been watching at home, anything you'd recommend to the listeners? I don't know if I'd recommend it, but for some reason – We've been into this 90 day fiance and we got into 90 day fiance before the 90 days. And we've watched all of those. Now we've watched season one through four and we're current with the one that's on Sunday nights. And then now we've gone into 90 day fiance, like when they're actually in their 90 days and we're started at season, I think we're in season three now. And for some reason, my son's into it at 12 and there's a lot of things in there. I don't want him to, actually know about and it's just been a little uncomfortable but that um, my wife and I have started Ozark um, and then I do the treadmill every morning now has been my routine that I'll go to spend it works out well I, I finished the whole Harry Bosch on Prime and um, Michael Patterson I read all of his books and so I really like Harry Bosch series so I've watched all those and they just came out with season six so I got to get that going um, but when they ran out of those seasons, it shows you how long I've been doing it. It's been about 60 days now. I've been working out every day. And uh, I've gone to Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy and stuff. So I have, um, I'm on the last episode of season one that I'll finish tomorrow morning. Then I'll probably go back to Harry Bosch and then come back to Jack Ryan. So I've got a lot, but I only get windows. I got to do it at from like six to eight in the morning or then eight o'clock at night. We try to do the 90 day fiance stuff. It's no Tiger King, but I guess it's pretty good, right? We haven't done that yet. We've talked about it, but people told me it takes a little while to get into, so we'll see if we can. And Ozark's been a little dark, so we're still getting into that. I like Tiger King, but I know Andy Rowden was not a fan of it. uh, (laughs) So it depends on who you want to talk to. Next question. uh, My wife's right now on her run to Kroger. If there's one supply that's running low in your house, what is it? I would say we're actually running low on wipes. Um, we, uh, my wife just actually made a, made a run as well. Cause we were getting low on eggs and bread. And so we've had to, uh, uh, go, we, we eat a lot of eggs in our family. Uh, so we're, we're low on wipes, but we've actually had some neighbors that make the really, um, potent, um, cleaning. So we actually have two big gallons in the garage that we can use to sprayers and we just have to use cloth, but so we, we're covered. I have been at uh, my great corporate partner of ours at Eastern Michigan the last two days at 8 a.m. So I've actually gotten stocked up on all my hand sanitizer I ran out, but I've got six bottles to go now. But wipes are we talked about eggs and bread. I know that's a staple food group in the breakfast category. But if there's a food or a restaurant outside of the house that you can't wait to get back to once restaurants are finally open, what is it? Hmm. I would, um, I would say for my son's sake, we would want to go to Ichiban. Uh, he, he loves, he loves that place. And so we're certainly uh, missing that, uh, locally here in Saline where I live, we like to go over to Oscars. Um, it's just a local little sports bar and Oscar and Maria are, are a great couple that we've gotten to know. And so I'd like to be able to get over and kind of support them as well. We're not, we get out, we go out quite a bit um, during the year because usually I get home late and it's a quick, quick jog to something. But um, those are probably the two that I'd like to get to. 
You had a uh, master's trip wiped off the books due to this coronavirus. That's one of my bucket lists. What is one of your still must have bucket list sports venues or events you want to go see? Yeah, I'm, I've been very fortunate in, in, in my life to be able to go to a lot of great sporting events. Now, I had Super Bowl tickets in San Diego because I worked at the stadium. I gave them to my father-in-law. I didn't even go. Um, the Masters, I got to go in 2012 when Bubba won it. Um, was probably my favorite um, moment um, that, that I've had. I really enjoyed going to Army my first trip uh, when I was at um, East Carolina, it was the year, it was maybe two years after 9-11, and we got to go down to ground zero and took the whole football team, and then we went up to West Point and the patriotism, it was unbelievable. Um, so those two are like ones that I, I, I would recommend to anybody. Uh, but if I had to say I, one that I'd really like to have on my bucket list that I haven't done, I would probably say either the British Open or going to a Ryder Cup, something along those. I mean, I, I enjoy golf. Um, I have got my master's tickets for November. I have booked everything, but I do need to book my flight yet. Still coordinating that. But uh, So I am still planning on going to the Friday Masters this year. I've been to Final Fours. Uh, I've not done a World Series, but I don't like being amongst people too much, so I'm around it enough. You kind of stole my thunder on one of my last questions about your favorite sporting event or uh, kind of outside of Eastern that you've been to. So I'll change it up a little bit. I know Greg and I have talked a lot about, and I've shared some of them on this podcast as well as Greg, about some of maybe those most bone chilling or emotional moments in mm -hmm. that kind of everybody has at some point or another. What's one of the most emotional moments for you um, in sports that uh, you can share with us? This is really easy. Um, I got to go to the women's basketball final four and <clears throat> Mississippi state. I had come to Eastern Michigan. Um, and, uh, actually I don't know if I had gotten the job yet. So this was before I came here. Um, Mississippi state played UConn in the final four. UConn had won 111 in a row. Mississippi State was a, a double-digit underdog and had them beat in regulation and, and end up going overtime. And Morgan Williams is about a five-foot-four guard, hit a shot to win it. And I've never heard an arena just explode because everybody was against UConn that night except the few, you know, and UConn traveled well. And it was the first time that I actually understood fandom. I actually understood how fans get so emotionally attached it, it it i actually cried at a at a women's basketball game because of the moment i was so into the moment and i don't think i've ever experienced it i've had i've had a lot of moments where uh you know won bowl games and uh we won uh, um conference usa championships at east carolina and we won some basketball things i was with jerry tarkanian and in a lot of those moments but nothing ever got to me and, and, and caught me emotionally. And I was like, even taken back, I told my wife, I was like, I just, I didn't expect to feel that way. And so that was the one moment I just, I, 
and I can't believe it, you know, it's a women's basketball game, but it was one of the greatest games I had ever been a part of. And I left everything on the table screaming and yelling. And then to win it, it was straight euphoria. Like I was a kid pretending I won NBA championship. I remember that game. It was a great game because Carly Tebow, who of course was a part of that women's basketball staff, she was at Eastern Michigan the year before and we gotten to know her. So we tuned into that game. So yeah, I could only imagine the emotions that you were going through actually being there. Yeah, it, it was really neat. And then, you know, they lost in the national championship game twice, but I remember Dak Prescott was at that game on the side and, and, uh, and stuff. It was, it was just a, a really neat moment. Scott, we can't appreciate your time. I know you're busy. You've, you've got a bunch of stuff on your plate, but we appreciate you stopping by uh, the podcast as always and, and everything that you've been able to, to do and, and help us. And uh, can't thank you enough. Yeah, well, and I want to say I want to thank you guys. I mean, you and your team, all the stuff you guys are putting out, you guys are working harder now than you ever have and, and I'm putting out all this stuff on social media. And I'm asking where are all my house calls? We got more of the queue yet. And it's like, hang on, we got, we got so much stuff going on. So I just really uh, appreciate uh, all your guys' hard work. And uh, we'll, we'll get through this all together and, and uh, we'll keep churning out good content here and, until we're back to normal and, and then we'll take off from there. that'll do it for another edition of the eastern insider podcast remember you can find us on apple spotify or emueagles.com until next week stay safe